real life is not about more and more, Jesus is saying here. It's not about having possessions. In fact, Jesus says this quest to have more and more ultimately leads to self-sufficiency. What does it take to become rich? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Becoming rich can be driven by coveting your neighbor's possessions, or it could be becoming rich in God's grace. We all have that decision in our lives. Today, David continues his Treasure Hunter series with the second section of a sermon called The Danger of Coveting. Did you hear what Jesus said as he began the story? He said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. He said, beware. Know it's there. Be on your guard. It is an insidious, stealth, camouflaged evil that dwells in the hearts of every human being. All covetousness. Real life is not about more and more, Jesus is saying here. It's not about having possessions. In fact, Jesus says this quest to have more and more ultimately leads to self-sufficiency. It leads to a life that does not ever consider God. And that's why, ultimately, when this man wanted more and more and bigger and bigger God finally says to him, you fool, exclamation mark. You fool. Psalm 14.1 says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. God calls this man a fool because he did not believe there's a God. He did not believe there's an eternity. He did not believe he would be accountable for his eternal soul. And that's why God says to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Fascinating. If indeed this was a story where someone just died maybe the night before, it would have resonated in the minds of every listener. You fool who doesn't believe there's a God. You fool who doesn't believe you're going to be held accountable for your life and how you've lived it. You are a fool. And then it's like Jesus tries to awaken his listeners and make them think about maybe the one thing that would shake them out of their doldrums for more and more possessions. He says, these things that you've worked so hard for, after you've died, whose will they be? If there's one thing that might shake the heart of someone who wants more and more, it's this thought. I've worked so hard for all these possessions, and when I die, somebody else spends it. Somebody else gets to enjoy it. And and he's hoping to get people to understand this quest for more and more simply will not work. Nelson Rockefeller purportedly died, and someone went to his accountant, and he asked him this question. He said, how much did he leave? And the accountant responded, he left it all. Left it all. Marilyn and I, when we have time, love just to find a good movie and watch it. We found one. It's entitled A Family Thing. Robert Duvall's in it. James Earl Jones is, too. 
James Earl Jones, you know, is Darth Vader's voice. <sighs> Luke, okay, you got it? Okay. Robert Duvall is white. James Earl Jones is black. Well, the story is about Robert Duvall's mother dies at the beginning of the movie, and she leaves him a note. He's 60 years old. He reads this note to find out that his daddy slept with a very close friend of hers who's African-American, and that Robert Duvall was the child of that relationship. In other words, he was part African-American. He discovers it at 60 years of age. He goes to his dad, confronts him. His dad cries and weeps. He knows it's true. He finds out he's got a living brother <laughs> by that same mom who married somebody else living in Chicago. So he goes to Chicago to meet him. He just has to know his family. So he goes and meets him, and he, James Earl Jones, has a son who is Robert Duvall's uncle, uh, nephew, excuse me, and also there is Aunt T who's present, who was the sister of Robert Duvall's mother, who has now since passed away. She's blind, can't see a thing. So Robert Duvall introduces himself. It's a wonderfully strange, interesting, complex relationship that they slowly but surely develop. And finally, near the end of the movie, Aunt T, who can't see Robert Duvall, tells him the whole story of everything that happened and how his mother came to when he was delivered and his mama died soon thereafter in childbirth. But the baby, Robert Duvall, was given to his mother because she so loved her African-American friend. And she raised him without ever telling him the truth until that last letter. And so Aunt T just said, come, come close to me. And she takes her hands and starts feeling his face. And she just starts chuckling and laughing. Then she gets to Robert Duvall's bald head. And she starts rubbing his bald head over and over again. And finally, she breaks out into this hilarious cackle. And she says, law, boy. <laughs> he said, you're going to leave this world just like you came in. <laughs> bald as can be. Point being, we come into this world bald as can be. You're going to leave this world, some of us, bald as can be but not taking anything with us. Not a thing. And somebody's going to be left behind to spend everything we've worked so hard to possess. And that's why if you have an attitude of wanting more and more and more and more, you're a fool. Especially if you don't think about the fact there is a God and we will all meet him one day. Let me give you an interesting insight from the words of Jesus. Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 20. And Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, what, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So, folks, it isn't what we do that defiles us, according to Jesus. It's what comes out of our heart that we choose then to act upon that defile us. And this verse is so powerful to me. 
because we live, for example, in a culture where there's all kinds of sexual aberrations from what God originally intended. God's creation desire was one man, one woman in a committed heterosexual monogamous relationship. You know, I've, I've said that to you so often. Genesis 2.24, before the fall occurred. Jesus quotes in Matthew 19. That's God's original intent. And some people want to harp in anger against those who have committed sexual deviance outside that original intent. And my response is, okay, before you do that, find yourself on the list. Realize that this term sexual immorality, which means any sex outside of a relationship between a man and a woman that's practiced, that's done, is considered sin, and it defiles the person. But just know that that particular sinful action is right next to coveting and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Jesus came to confront our hearts and all the wickedness that is within us all. Coveting being one of those things that when we choose to act on it and want more and more, we bring about the judgment of God. Proving that we need a Savior. Now, let me make one quick statement here. Let me give you this parenthesis. As we deal with money and possessions during these messages, let me remind you that the Bible clearly says that God made this creation and everything in it to be richly enjoyed. He loves it when we enjoy his creation. He created it to give it to us. We just need to remind ourselves, though, that it's God's creation. And we are to enjoy it in the ways that he desires us to enjoy it. And coveting steps outside the boundaries of how he wants us to enjoy it. And did you note the rich man's self-talk? Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Every single one of us has self-talk going on all day long. And you need to pause and probably ask yourself the question, what kind of self-talk is going on in my mind? Am I reminding myself all the time that I just need more. And if I just had a little bit more, then I would be secure and never have to worry about other things. And I can just then eat, drink, and be merry. An Epicurean philosophy. So how in the world do you begin to address this whole cancer of coveting? Well, here's the cure. The cure of coveting, I think, is found in these places. First of all, realize everything is owned by God. Everything. It's not my barns, my storehouses, my warehouses. Everything is owned by God. Jesus begins the whole parable, the land of a rich man. Well, the first item that the rich man needed to understand was the land belonged to God, and he loaned it to him for a few years here. Secondly, if you want to cure the cancer of coveting, realize the brevity of life. Has anybody not figured that out yet? I can't speak for you, but it just seems like yesterday, Marilyn and I got married. It just seems like yesterday, our first child was born. Dear friends, life is like a vapor. It's a whisper. Some of you younger people 
think you're bulletproof and you're going to live forever, but you're not. And you never know when God may call you home. So the brevity of life fights the cancer of covetousness. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and have your sins forgiven, you know that you can live every day to the full, partaking of all the great gifts that God has given us because your eternity is secure and life is about him. Finally, be rich toward God. Jesus said about this man that he wasn't rich toward God and he didn't lay up for himself treasures in heaven but was so concerned only about this life. Well, how do you be rich toward God? Let me give you the antonym of covetousness. What is it? It's contentment. The antonym of covetousness is contentment. It's basically the belief that God is enough. Do you really believe that? Is God enough? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. Could have been a physical ailment. It could have been rejection from certain people. We don't know what it was. And I think God left it purposefully ambiguous so all of us can fill in the blank. My guess is you've got something in your life that's a thorn. It's something that bothers you and you just wish you could get rid of it. And probably like Paul, you cried out to God on several occasions, please take this away from me. And you know what? God never did. He never did. He left the thorn, and Paul finally concluded why. It helped drive him to the realization that the grace of Jesus is enough. Do you believe that? Is the grace, the love, the mercy and kindness of Jesus enough for your life? Look at these verses. Psalm 73, 25, David cried out this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Would you have written those words? 1 Timothy 6, 6, Paul said, But godliness with, what folks? Contentment is great gain. Be godly, quest after the Lord, but when you have contentment, you've really gained the reality of what this world is all about. Philippians 4.11, Paul said, not that I'm speaking in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He talked in this chapter about how he, at some points in his life, had a lot, and at some points in his life, had very little. But what he did was he learned contentment. Notice he learned contentment. It's not natural to be content. It's natural to be covetous. It's natural to want more and more. In our sinful, prideful situation, we want more and more. And we just think, if I had a little bit of more, then I'd be happy. And it's a lie. It's, it's a lie. And, and Paul came to understand it's a lie. But he had to go through life's experiences to teach him the value of contentment. He learned contentment. So what I'd love for all of us to do today, and folks, this is me too, to close the door to more. Say it with me. Close the door to more. I want all of us to get there. And then I'd like to accompany that with this adjuration. Build bigger barns. And you're thinking right now, what's that guy talking about? He just contradicted himself. Close the door to more, but build bigger barns? 
Yeah, build bigger barns, but in these two areas. First of all, build bigger barns in your heart. Your heart is a barn. It's a storehouse. It's a warehouse that has possessions in it. And what I'd love to see you and me both do is clean out all of our heart's desires of anything that is not rooted in Jesus himself. Might we all dare to expand our hearts to grow a bigger barn within for more forgiveness, for more love, for more grace, for more peace, for more gentleness, for more humility, for more kindness, for more obedience, for more generosity, for more sharing, for more caring. Now that's a great prayer. Lord, make the barns of my heart bigger. Let me have more of Jesus. And then also have a larger barn in your heart to build larger barns in others' hearts. For the hearts of the hungry, many of whom go to bed at night with not enough food to eat. For the hearts of the homeless, over 8,000 children in this city alone who are homeless. These are the kinds of needs that surround us. Lives that need bigger warehouses, bigger storehouses, bigger barns. Might we choose to deny ourselves and help build a bigger barn in the hearts of those in need? When you do so, it breaks the back of coveting and sets you free set you free to love like you've never loved before to God alone and always belongs all the glory and when that's true the desire for more and more abates and abates you're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick thanks for listening Coming up, David joins me in a discussion about overcoming adversity. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the second coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free 
Today. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us. It's my pleasure being with you, Jen. Well, today we are going to talk about your latest Davidism called Adversity is Life's University. What do you mean by this? Well, it's something my dad taught me many years ago, and I have remembered it and said it many times. You know, Jen, we have in these last several weeks talked regularly about the fact that in this world you will have tribulations. Jesus said so in John 16, I sometimes think that pastors and evangelists and others who call people to give their lives to Jesus and have them totally consumed with his love when they say, hey, give your life to Jesus, but remember, you're going to have tough times thereafter, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're not going to have rosy, perfect days every day that we live. That's just not going to happen. We will one day, it's called heaven, but it's not going to happen on this side of eternity. So as we walk through this life and realize that there are going to be difficulties, rejections, pain, all of those kind of things, we need to learn how to deal with them. And that's when my dad said to me after I was going through a particular trial as a younger person, son, always remember that adversity is life's university. Mm -hmm. You can't keep bad things from happening to you, but when they happen, use them as an opportunity to learn a life's lesson that you can then have for the rest of your life and allow you to grow continually in Him. Adversity is simply a part of life's difficulties. So when adversity strikes, we have one of two choices to make. One, we can deem ourselves a failure, a screw-up, incapable of living life the way God wants us to live it, or we can give thanks for it and ask the question, Lord, what are you trying to teach me mm-hmm. in this situation? What do I need to learn? Because you're sovereign over everything. You permitted this to come to me as your child. So therefore, there's something you want me to learn from this that's a larger lesson for purposes that may be ununderstandable to me at this point. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. I'm thinking of a story right now that happened to me where there was a particular person that I really wanted to talk about to another friend. And the friend said, Jen, I think this is a test we should not gossip. This is a test. And I really took that to heart. And I just have continued to grow and mature in that, in that moment of testing. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks a lot about God testing us. He he did with Abraham in Genesis 22 with Isaac and taking him to the top of Mount Moriah. Uh, He did so with the children of Israel. You see it repeatedly, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, how he tested them and they oftentimes failed the test. Uh, You see it in 1 Peter in another place. Uh, The purpose of a test is to see if we know the information. You know, when I was in school, pop tests would occur regularly. I hated them, Mm -hmm. you know, because the teacher's trying to always make sure we're prepared every day and not get behind. But the purpose of a test is to make sure we know the information. And when we pass the test, the teacher then moves us to another place. If we don't pass the test, maybe the teacher makes us go through something similar until we learn the information rightly. So at that point, then, adversity or failing a test is a great gift from the teacher because it gives us a chance to try again to learn the information and continue to grow in our knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. That's so good. That is apropos for adversity is life. University. A great phrase that anybody can remember and will help a lot of people when they go through adversity, not if, because that is inevitable in life. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing, David. You are welcome, Jen. I hope that these Davidisms help everybody some way, somehow. And if you'd like to get them in written form, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. 
They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. They're free of charge and a gift from me to you to help you begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to get your free video called The End Times. This is our gift, free for all of our Moments of Hope radio listeners. This informative teaching looks at what the Bible tells us about the end times. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, that's momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For all of us at Moments of Hope Church, this is Jen Houston. Jen Houston.